0: A what? Do you Welcome to Grape Minds, a wine centric podcast where two wine loving friends take a look beyond what is in the glass. We dig a little deeper into the stories and the culture and the history behind the
1: wine, and we even drink a little wine while we're doing it. I'm Gina Birch. And I'm Julie Glenn. Today we're introducing a new Grape Minds series. Last time we talked about ordering wine to your door via wine.com thanks to the pandemic. But now our wanderlust is getting the better of us, and Gina, I'm sure you're itching to travel somewhere. Anywhere, yes, indeed.
0: And alas, we can't go just anywhere, so naturally I'd rather be anywhere other than where I have to be, even if we are in what others would consider paradise. It's just when someone tells you you can't do something, what do you want to do? Do it, yes. (laughs) Whatever it is. Yeah.
1: So we're going to take our journeys via wine. Uh, Wine comes from so many awesome places that are just... You just really want to go and experience them. Mm-hmm. We're going to experience them through the glass and talking with winemakers from the places. Right. So we still can't physically travel the way we
0: did in 2019, but we really, really, really want to go somewhere. So we're going to do it via the glass. And we're going to start at the farthest point away from us, which is New Zealand. And it's definitely on my bucket list for wine travel, for adventure travel, for for travel in general. And one of the spots that I plan to visit when I do get there is Marisco
1: Vineyards. Absolutely, I love their wines and I'm so excited that we have with us today, Brent Maris. He is the owner and chief winemaker at Marisco Vineyards. Your family planted some of the uh, first vines in the Marlborough area, so that's quite a heritage.
2: It is indeed and it's something that we're super proud of. My father back in 1973, he started the first commercial vineyards in Marlborough um, with a company called Montana Wines. And that's something that um, we've continued um, on. And um, I have now a daughter, Emma, who's a winemaker as well. And she is super proud of being part of a third generation out of Marlborough. So yeah, it's something that is wonderful.
1: What has always struck me as just the coolest thing in the world about your wines is the story, the history behind it. Mm-hmm. And so you have the King's series, which is incredible. You got the King's Desire Rosé, King's Bastard Chardonnay, King's Favour Sauvignon Blanc, King's Thorn Pinot Gris, and King's Wrath Pinot Noir, and, of course, the sticky end. Can you tell us that historical nugget? It's such a great story.
2: Okay. It's one of those things that if you delve back into your history you can find that you actually have some quite scandalous ancestors and i know that if you both do the same you're going to find a little nuggets that you go how can i make something of this and in the wine industry it is about stories when we delved into our history we found that we were descendants of king henry the first king henry the first allegedly had 35 illegitimate children we're one of the descendants of those children Hence, the stories that came from it, the King's Bastard. I don't have to explain that one. Um, <laughs> the, the King's Desire, clearly. There's um, a lot of desiring that went on. Um, with, with us, um, Lundy Island in the Bristol Channel um, was somewhere where our descendants ended up uh, landing. And our surname back then was called De Morisco. Mar- and so, hence Morisco Vineyards. On Lundy Island is still Morisco Castle and Morisco Tavern. And right back in the 1800s, um, or back in the 11th century, and then going forward um, towards the 1800s, we have the different stories that represent those different wine brands. And that's something that your um, listeners can delve into and hear about our scandalous ancestors yeah <laughs> very colorful very very colorful it's
1: great and the website tells the story yeah. beautifully too well we it's love scandal
0: of. and um and you're part of the world well, australia new zealand sure uh has, has a lot of it in its history i think right
2: <laughs> it sure does and it's something that i mean we none of us really started here in new zealand but to come from um england um, through Europe and then across, you know, essentially through Australia to New Zealand is a really, um, you know, over the centuries is pretty amazing to land in beautiful New Zealand and be able to start things like the wine industry and other industries and and celebrate our scandalous ancestors is pretty amazing. It, it's really, really cool.
1: So, go ahead. I remember way back when I was telling this, I actually went to a big internet rabbit hole, which I am wont to do. And looked up the Marisco Island, looked up the people who were exiled to the island, and, and all the different yep. – it, it all it all uh, is out there. I mean, the history is there. I mean, mm-hmm. it's verifiable. So I second-sourced that story. It's real. <laughs> <laughs> As a good journalist. Hey, what's, really,
2: what's really cool about it is um, the, in, written into the history books is the last ancestor of the de Mariscos that actually visited the island was my father. Yeah. And that was only about 10 years ago. And the cool thing about it is when we saw um, the Morisco Castle and understood the history, the winery that we've built down in Marlborough that has you know the Ned as a brand and the King series, we've actually um, modelled it around um, a modern version of what that castle actually looks like. So it's all built of rock, it's gabion baskets, it's beautiful, it stands within the vineyard just like the castle on the island sits with the whole um you know view of the ocean right around it so it's yeah so those sort of things that we can do now um you know created by God enhanced by the hand of man
0: oh i love that that's a great quote can we mm-hmm. can we uh, we're gonna click we're gonna take that out wait what, what when did this happen in the show i'm gonna want to write that down so you mentioned yeah. the Ned. Um, so let's talk about that. We, the King series is is the one that we, we just talked about. And then the Ned is the other one that uh, we, we do see yes. a lot of in the in the States.
2: Okay, so the Ned is all about young at heart. So the Ned is a mountain that looks over all of Marlborough. Now, if you can imagine in the day when my father was a stock agent, when he was out there um, doing real estate and purchasing land, it was farmland and cattle. They had cattle and and cropping. And then over a period of about a decade, that all changed to vineyard. And above above all of that property, above all of that region, is a mountain called the Ned. The Ned is an area where I did a lot of hunting, hiking, camping, horse riding. And for me, it really reminds me of that whole young at heart feeling. And that's what that whole brand's about. So when people try it, The the Sauvignon Blanc, the Chardonnay, the Pinot Gris, they get their smile on the face, they think about, Mm -hmm. um, you know, every day, getting up in the morning and going out and doing an activity, but come four o'clock, five o'clock, it's all about that glass of wine time.
0: It's the <laughs> I love it. And before we go any further, we do have some of the Ned Sauvignon oh, Blanc I in our glass right now. Do we do a little ching-ching? Yes. So just, uh, just what you want
1: to hear first thing in the nine. morning. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, because you are on a, a little exactly. bit of a, of a time difference. So since we're, we're on the Sauvignon Blanc, when I think of wines from New Zealand, the first thing that comes to mind is Sauvignon Blanc. Why is it that that area that your country is, um, what makes it so good there and so prevalent? Is there a secret sauce?
2: I, and look, do you know what? It's it's not the secret source; it's that secret <laughs> climate. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's our our um, soils are essentially they can be replicated around the world. I guess you know they're all glacial formed um, back you know twenty thousand years ago. They've got all of the minerals in the soil. But what makes it super special is how cold it gets at night during the growing season, and then how hot it gets during the day. And so that difference in temperature, plus the beautiful rich soils and in the way we grow the grapes means that we end up with a really beautiful, zingy, fresh, bright Sauvignon Blanc. And one good way to think about it is when you try the wine, you think about the blue sky, the green grass, the cold water, that purity, that um, beautiful brightness. That's mm-hmm. what is all about, and that's what this wine's all about. And when other countries, when other areas have tried to replicate it, because they don't have the same growing conditions, they, the flavours are more tropical or they're a little bit more mineral, they have a bit more minerality in them. Marlborough seems to have that bright, zingy um, climate and, and allows us to grow grapes and make wine that have the beautiful balance and brightness that we've achieved.
0: And I think the Ned, the one we're tasting now, it's not like some of them I've tried are so acidic and it almost like burns. It's like grapefruit juice. Right. But this one to me is is a nicer balance. Is mm-hmm. there tell us about the the Ned Sauvignon Blanc.
2: Okay, so the Ned Sauvignon Blanc for me, it's all about the purity of the fruit. It's all about making sure that the Wai Valley, where we grow the grapes, and um, we don't overcrop, we end up with beautiful balance. Um we've got wines. That just like a boutique winery, our winery is actually in the vineyard. So when it comes to transporting the fruit from the vineyard to the winery and then starting to process it, it's only with, it's within the hour. Mm-hmm. So that freshness, that brightness, is retained. Additives, we don't no additives. So we are all about a little bit of sulphur, nothing else. When we go through the whole winemaking process, our winemaking team are really careful with the yeast that they use and the temperature they ferment at to make sure that when it comes to the finished wine it's not about sweetness it's about fruit purity it's about balance and it's what you're tasting in the glass is what i'm tasting in the vineyard before we harvest Mm -hmm. that's what it's about
1: I've talked with winemakers uh, from New Zealand who tell me that the Sauvignon Blanc basically grows like a weed out there. Is that problematic <laughs> when there's just it's everywhere? Is that why sometimes my experience has been straight grapefruit juice and fresh cut grass?
2: Um, the, the straight grapefruit juice is and fresh cut grass can be from where the fruit's grown from. Mm-hmm. Um, when they talk about it grown like a weed, it is a very hardy um, variety. It's something that if you didn't prune it, it would grow like a weed. You would have that garden that would be out of control. But when you end up with a a structured approach to how you handle the fruit, you can end up with beautiful balance, beautiful depth, and a purity like nothing else. Mm -hmm. So it's about that whole focus of what we're doing, handcrafted um, varieties and in a winery that is super, super, Uh, modern with people that are dedicated to make sure we deliver to the Mm -hmm. consumer what we're growing in the vineyard
1: Does that make it, you mentioned that you are pretty quick to get to the press, you're not uh, letting it sit around Great. Ooh, that's good luck. We just poured yeah. some wine on the ground. <laughs> just spilled some wine. Okay. Ooh, a here. Yeah. <laughs> Getting a little bit
0: enthusiastic, right? We? Yeah. Well, I moved. <laughs> she moved. I was not really paying. We closer. didn't coordinate. Totally my fault. My,
1: <laughs> that was not well choreographed. <laughs> <laughs> At least it wasn't over the board. No. Oh my God. <laughs> my where engineer were the, would the kill me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyway, so I'm wondering if the it's if, if how the the importance of. Getting those grapes pressed so quickly, is too much of that skin on the juice an issue? Is that over-extraction problematic?
2: No. Now, interestingly, if you've got young young vines or vines that are not over-cropped, a little bit of skin contact can be a good thing. Mm-hmm. And so um, what we do is we've got very gentle pressing. We actually, when we're harvesting in the vineyard, our machines are so advanced so they actually destem in the vineyard so you don't end up with any of that stalk so that's where you get your bitterness that's where you can get some hard characters on the palate what we're doing is we de-stem in the vineyard and then very quickly we arrive at the winery we don't have to go through a crusher we're just processing straight into a press and then that beautiful fresh clean juice is then extracted and we start our whole winemaking process.
1: It honestly tastes that way. Yeah, there the freshness is what is hard to is undeniable. Well, I, that that brings yep. me to your Pinot Gris because it does have a little bit of
0: color, and I could drink the Ned Pinot Gris all day long and maybe into the night
1: too. And so, who bought a case um, of that and went through it in less than a month? This that one. would be me. Guilty. <laughs> a case in um, less than a month. That would make you a bad person. You don't get tired of it at all. No, Ugh, so good.
0: So tell
2: us about that, because that that does have a little bit of a colour to it. Yeah, it does. So that Pinot Gris, um, it's the biggest selling Pinot Gris in New Zealand. doesn't matter what the price point is. It is number one, and it has been for many years. Now, the little trick with that is that is where we do give it the skin contact, because a Pinot Gris has that little bit of burgundy colour, very, very light colour, and we give it about 12 hours skin contact, but again, not with stems, just sitting in the press, and we end up then carefully extracting the juice from from the from the fruit, and then we end up with a little bit of a, a rose color. We leave that um, to ferment through, and we don't touch it. We don't vine it out or anything, and we end up with this beautiful concentration. Now, the way we've achieved it is in the valley, in the Waihopi Valley, we have quite small berries, so we get in. We end up with quite a lot of concentration of both flavour and colour, and what we end up then doing is just allowing that to stay with the whole winemaking process right through to the end, and so you end up with this natural blush colour.
1: Yeah, with a lot nice. of skin to Beautiful juice ratio, course. and That's you do
0: right. you do also produce a straight rosé as well from Pinot Noir. So let's talk about also the incredible. Pinot. That yeah, is oh such gosh. a nice little so
1: strawberry. I love that thing. So
0: how is Pinot doing in New Zealand? Sorry, we're gushing all <laughs> we're gushing. I mean, you know, when I think of New Zealand, <laughs> as blushing say, on yeah. Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> we we think of Sauv Blanc, and is is Pinot Noir kind of finding its its foot is finding its footing in New Zealand a little more?
2: It sure is. Um, and just quickly talking about the rosé. The rosé, the we end up doing a blend of Pinot Gris and um, Pinot Noir. And that's how we get that beautiful balance. When we go to Pinot Noir itself as a variety, Marlborough is a super, super, especially on the southern side of the Wairau Valley into the Waihopi Valley, is a super great area to get concentrated fruit. Again, the smaller berries. But what we're looking for here is really that depth of flavour, that beautiful colour, and then supported by beautiful French oak. And we end up with a wine that's really quite approachable in its youth. And so, again, we're not it having really to is. extract a lot of tannins out of it. We've ended up with beautiful fruit domination. And because we've got good um, plantings of that variety in Marlborough, we can end up with a really a, you know approachable price point. That is attractive. As a wine region for Pinot Noir, it's one of the top awarded areas in New Zealand. And as a as a team on my winemaking team, I have a dedicated Pinot Noir winemaking team that just absolutely love what we produce and love what they do. They're craftsmen
1: to the end. They're very proud of what they're doing. They should be. Yeah, it's they good. should. It's I, really good. I smell some
0: caramel in there, and it's, it's fresh. It's not... Um, Mm-hmm. It's it's I got some nice herbal notes so on the finish and yeah clean definitely it's very clean
2: okay so, so that little bit of herbal that little bit of caramel that is all coming from the stems we actually put stems back into the um, into the fruit while it's fermenting okay and then when we go plunge the actual fruit um, you know the the skins down it's all done by hand mm-hmm. and so it's very gently processed and so you end up with these primary berry characters the soft tannin. Um, a little bit of that green herbal character coming through from the stems. And it's something that we can get year after year after year because we've got multiple sites. And like I say, a team that's super, super dedicated.
0: Definitely. You know, um, we were talking. I
1: can drink the hell out of that. I'm just
0: stuff right? <laughs> Are you
1: excited? Are you happy? <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's, it's like a wonderful red that will work all summer long. I know we're in the middle of yep. winter, but. This would be great. Yep. Well, down there. And yeah. where... <laughs> That's where he is. It's Somewhere it says perfect.
0: So, you know, you have the King series and you have the Ned. And uh, last year, or, or, or even before, I guess, when the Game of Thrones was, was popular on HBO, yes. I was <laughs> dying to do a Game of Thrones wine dinner for with somebody somewhere. We just couldn't pull it together. So people who love Game of Thrones, we could have put the Bastard Chardonnay because, you know, there are so many yep. bastards on there. Oh, yeah, you yeah know? there are a lot of them. Uh, Jon Snow, Ed my favorite. Brilliant. Yep. And the Ned, you know, we love Ned Stark and he got, you know. Kinda... Well, I, did, I did
1: an article about it at yeah. one point, but um, we never did get a, a wine dinner put together. We
0: should still try to do that at yeah. some point. i to
1: find that article.
0: But, you know, <laughs> we're talking about uh, New Zealand and wine and this, our whole series here is about travel as well. So we wanted to also include um, some other things from the area. So what kind of foods uh, would we have with these wines? What's...
1: What, really? are, what are New Zealand food products? I mean, right. are we talking about lamb? Lamb, of course, right? All the day. I yeah. mean, all day long. So so lamb, and what are, what are some of the other things that we may not know about?
2: Okay, so, so Ma- New Zealand, Marlborough, is all about seafood. Sure, it's about lamb, and we've got our beef. But, oh, my God, we're right on the coast. We've oh. got the Marlborough sounds, green lip mussels, Ooh. salmon. We've got oh, beautiful yeah. cod. So we've got beautiful snapper and fish. So really, New Zealand, not just Marlborough, is all about seafood. Um, we've got some of the most wonderful, wonderful um, wild animals, so venison, so deer, um, wild wild boar. We've got our beautiful Angus stud um, on our farm, so that, the whole meat side of things. But really, if you wanted to focus on what does New Zealand highlight food-wise, you can't go past the seafood.
1: Mm-hmm. So, and I don't know really what to attribute it to, but culturally it seems like the Maori haka is enjoying like a moment of global (laughs) renown. I mean, every time you turn around, you're seeing someone trying to pull off a haka.
0: And and some of it I really enjoyed watching. Um, There's some big, beefy
1: guys trying to do that. It's kind of fun to uh, consume visually. Okay. But that's that war dance.
2: you think that's that may be entertainment? That's our culture. That's I what we've been brought up with. That haka I used to do as, as when I was a young rugby player. Um, the Maori tattoos is all about our culture. We are very proud of where we've come from, and it's only been you know the last hundred odd years that we've um, allowed that whole culture to be part of our lives. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's just yes, you do see it, and there are different interpretations of it around the world. But I tell you what, you come to New Zealand, you see those tattoos, you actually see a haka before an all-black rugby game, and your whole spine tingles. You feel so proud, and you you become a Kiwi. You become a New Zealander.
1: Yeah, oh, that's like it. really awesome to just to watch, and just it's good. To, it's nice to hear that um, the indigenous cultures there have become a, a point of pride for everyone there. It sounds like you're telling me.
2: Yes, and. It, it, that's exactly right. And it's something that um, as I've grown up from a, a young winemaker all the way through, I'm very, very conscious of. And when I travel overseas with pre-COVID, it's a culture that, like I said, I'm very proud of, we're part of, and it makes us a big family. And I think that's something that I guess a lot of the world looks at New Zealand now, especially under the whole COVID situation. And we are a family of five million. Mm-hmm. And we're on you know, a couple of islands in the Pacific, but that culture helps keep us together. And when it comes to our food, the seafood, what we grow, um, our crops, our wines, every little bit we taste and feel is part of us. And what we can push out and export, everyone gets a chance to have a little bit of kiwi in them somewhere
1: we didn't even talk about the kiwi fruit
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's, another, it's another thing again they were all so super proud of yeah i can see fruit. a lot of that
0: well i've got some kiwi in me right now via the net via the That's net good it's, this is such
1: a fun conversation <laughs> and and i'm just kind of thinking about everybody uh, my friend tim went there recently not really recently but you know before coronavirus yeah. and p.s uh Good on you for the handling of coronavirus as a nation. Right. Um, But uh, he said that the hiking was some of the best hiking he has ever done in his life, and he is Mr. Hiker. So people seem to really love getting into the outdoors there.
2: Um, The beautiful thing with New Zealand is you don't have to travel far to get a variety of um, countryside. Our mountains, they go from almost like desert up to the snow, And the hiking and the nature and the natural bush is beautiful. Our birds, our wild animals, it is all all accessible. And that's what I think people don't totally realise. You don't have to go for miles and suddenly you're in the wilderness. Our rivers, you know, the babbling brooks are are clean. Um, You watch the waterfalls coming down from the mountains, from snow. You're standing below them. You're going for a swim. You can. it's all accessible, and it's something that we do cherish and we do offer to the world.
1: I'm wondering come how and friendly visit, you all are be to immigrating Americans. Yeah.
0: Can we, <laughs> can we come? Can we quarantine at your house until uh, we're able uh, to go outside <laughs> with a case yeah. of Pinot Gris? <laughs> yeah,
1: that, that would be yeah. really yeah. fabulous. Yeah.
0: Well, I want to thank right. you for talking
1: with us. I mean, is there anything else you
0: wanted to ask? Oh, I could talk to him all day long. Yeah, no but, kidding. But I know we're we're uh, almost out of time here. so and
1: Zoom's going to cut us off.
0: Well, yeah, Zoom is can be evil sometimes, but, but we it love kinda it. It kind of does that. Again, Brent, thank you so much for, for being with us this morning or this afternoon or whatever time it is, wherever everybody is, is listening. And um, we look forward to coming to see you when we can. And thank you for making some great wines. We'll
1: definitely Open invitation. be there. Come and invitation.
2: Come and visit our vignettes. Come for a hike, come and taste the season. Yeah, it's, it's,
1: it's right. happening. That is happening as soon as these skies open back up to us Americans. Right. So we'll be there. Brent Maris is the owner and chief winemaker at Marisco Vineyards. Great Minds is produced at WGCU Studios on FGCU campus in Fort Myers, Florida. Our producer for online media is Tara Calligan. Great Minds theme music is from Kansas City band Victor and Penny. The song is You'd Be So Nice to Come Home To by Cole Porter. To get in touch with us, check greatminds.org. For Julie Glenn, I'm Gina Birch. Thanks for listening.